It's Saturday, June the 6th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, America's jobs report surprise and Europe's gloomy economic data. First, the week in brief. America's unemployment rate fell unexpectedly in May to 13.3%, 1.4 percentage points lower than the previous month. New figures show that employers added 2.5 million jobs as states lifted lockdown measures and almost $3 trillion of fiscal stimulus began to take effect. Despite the improvement, 15 million more Americans were unemployed than in February. Trumpeting the numbers, President Donald Trump said that George Floyd, the black man whose death at police hands has led to weeks of unrest, would hopefully be looking down, thinking it a great day. Joe Biden, Mr. Trump's Democratic rival, called those remarks despicable. In response to Mr. Floyd's death, Minneapolis officials said they would immediately ban the use of chokeholds and neck restraints by police. But reports of police responding violently to protesters continue. An entire emergency response team in Buffalo, New York, resigned from their duties in support of two colleagues who were suspended for pushing an elderly man to the ground. Michel Barnier, the European Union's Brexit negotiator, said that talks with Britain this week had failed to bring the two sides nearer to an agreement. They differ on the terms of a free trade deal and Britain's adherence to state aid, environmental and labour rules. The setback pushes Britain closer to an exit without a deal in January, bringing with it tariffs and other barriers to trade. Stock markets in Europe rose in spite of poor economic data. In Britain, the GFK Consumer Confidence Index fell to minus 36, the worst reading since the depths of the financial crisis, dampening hopes of a V-shaped economic recovery. Meanwhile, German factory orders fell by 25.8% in April, the largest monthly decline since records began. The World Health Organization changed its recommendations on face masks. It now says coverings should be worn in public places where social distancing is difficult to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. It had previously advised their use only for people who are ill or for those caring for someone who might be infected. The International Atomic Energy Agency, a United Nations watchdog, accused Iran of denying it access to two nuclear sites. The IAEA reportedly believes the country may have processed uranium at the facilities before it signed a deal with several major powers in 2015 to limit its nuclear program. The watchdog also reported another big jump in the country's stockpile of enriched uranium. And the BBC named Tim Davey, a long-serving executive who previously worked at Pepsi, a fizzy drinks firm, as Director General. He takes the top job at a time when the publicly funded British broadcaster faces competition from new rivals such as Netflix, increasing criticism from politicians and an ageing audience. The government will next review the corporation's funding in 2022. And now, here's today's agenda. Another reopening, Notre-Dame-de-Paris-Parvis. This week in Paris, the Parvis of Notre-Dame Cathedral at last reopened after last year's destructive fire. The citizens of France's capital and people around the world were shocked in April 2019 when a blaze scorched through the medieval building, a famous piece of Gothic architecture and a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Dangerous lead dust produced by the fire covered the ground outside, making the square in front of the cathedral unsafe. Now, the Restoration Committee's deep clean operation has made the space available for public enjoyment once again.
Intensive renovation work continues on the main building. The entire roof and spire will be replaced with a replica of the 12th century original. But for now, Parisians can get up close with the remains of the building, while of course social distancing. It is a small but hopeful step on the road to Notre Dame's full restoration and reopening. Just Music, Run the Jewels' latest release. It is rare for new albums to capture the mood of the moment so accurately. But on Wednesday, Run the Jewels released their fourth record, RTJ4, and made it available for nothing. The group was formed in 2013, pairing two rappers, LP from Brooklyn and Killer Mike, who emerged from the 1990s Atlanta hip-hop scene. Run the Jewels anchor their work in racial and social injustice. In 2017, they dedicated their Glastonbury sets to the victims of the Grenfell Tower fire in London. Their latest album is no exception. With searing lyrics and thumping beats, the duo tear into police brutality while lambasting the hypnotised and twitterized alongside the generators of genocide. Only last week, Killer Mike made international headlines with an impassioned speech to protesters to stop vandalising and instead plot, plan, strategize, organise and mobilise. With positive reviews flooding in, he will hope that RTJ4 will help bring that message home. Winning the Lottery, Shirley Jackson In recent years, the reclusive author who died in 1965 has been thrust into the spotlight. Susan Scarf Merrill wrote a thriller in 2014 featuring Shirley Jackson as the main character. Two years later, Ruth Franklin published A Rather Haunted Life, an acclaimed biography, and Jackson's short story, The Lottery, was turned into a graphic novel. A film is also in the works at Paramount. In 2018, Netflix released a ten-part adaptation of The Haunting of Hill House, her gothic horror novel of 1959. And yesterday, Shirley, a film adaptation of Miss Scarf Merrill's book, was released online. Starring Elizabeth Moss in the title role, it is not a straightforward biopic, but a dark and disturbing exploration of creativity. The movie received rapturous reviews on its premiere at Sundance Festival in America in January. 55 years after her death at the age of 48, Jackson's ability to captivate and trouble audiences is undiminished. Films Without a Festival – Cannes Lineup The Cannes Film Festival's organisers announced this year's lineup on Wednesday, despite the small point that the event, which usually takes place in May, had already been cancelled. For the first year since 1950, the industry's movers and shakers did not gather in the south of France for glitzy red carpet premieres, but Thierry Frémo, Cannes' general delegate, wanted to celebrate the 56 films that would have been screened if it had gone ahead. Among them are Wes Anderson's star-studded The French Dispatch, Pixar's latest high-concept cartoon Soul, and two dramas from Steve McQueen, a British artist-turned-director, Lover's Rock and Mangrove. None of them will win the Palme d'Or, the festival's coveted top gong, but Mr. Framo hopes that everyone will be a winner. The films get the Cannes stamp of approval. In return, the films will remind cinema-goers after the pandemic that Cannes still matters, even when the event has been canned. Mouthing Off, a new therapy for Tourette's Tourette's syndrome is a neurological disorder whose sufferers exhibit bouts of involuntary vocal or physical tics. 
It is not as rare as you may think. A recent review found that 1% of children, mostly boys, are affected, although only 10% of those involuntarily swear, also known as coprolalia. Tourette's can be debilitating and there is no cure. This week, though, Current Biology reported on a groundbreaking new therapy. The treatment involves the stimulation of the median nerve at the wrist with rhythmic pulses of electricity. These pulses flow to the brain where they suppress signals that cause movements. For all 19 Tourette sufferers who took part in a trial, it reduced their tics and their urges to tick. Moreover, the therapy was most successful in the severest cases. This initial success has encouraged the researchers to develop a wearable watch to deliver the pulses. Such a gadget could be a godsend for Tourette sufferers. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Thomas Mann, who was born on this day in 1875. Opinions cannot survive if one has no chance to fight for them. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.